Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And of course, it's the Pentecost story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they said, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out all my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. You know, the day of Pentecost came, and it shouldn't have surprised the people that knew Jesus. Because Jesus had told them that it was going to happen. If you read back in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, you find this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Well, if you read that, you say, well, they should have been expecting the Holy Spirit. They should have known that it was coming and that they would understand it 
but that other people would not. But there's more. You go to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, and you find out that he told the disciples that they were to stay in Jerusalem, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. John baptized you with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in not so many days. Well, that's kind of straightforward, right? In not so many days, you will receive the Holy Spirit. The location has already been determined. It's Jerusalem. It's the holy city. Stay there until you get it. He told them that this was going to happen, so they should have been expecting it. John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Again, Jesus told them, it's coming, it's going to help you, it's going to teach you, and it's going to remind you of everything that I have taught you. All of these things point to the fact that Jesus was trying to prepare them to get them ready for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had given them all of these instructions before he even left when he was going to ascend to heaven. He talked to them about this as well. We have to remember that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared for over 40 days to people all over the place. But then when he went to ascend to heaven, he told his disciples, the Holy Spirit is coming and you're going to receive power from above when it comes. Now I have to admit that my mind kind of wanders into different directions. And when I read this and talked and thought about it, for some reason, the idea of a wrestling match came into my mind. Have you ever seen how when there's a tag team of wrestlers, there's one in the ring and the other one's in the corner waiting to get tagged in to come in the ring? It was almost like Jesus was saying, I am leaving, but the ring will not be empty. I am leaving, but I'm tagging in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come in, and it's going to come in with power. One of the reasons that the wrestlers tag the other wrestler in is so that that power from that other wrestler, that energy, can come in and make a difference in the fight. Jesus had done his part. He had died on the cross. He had done all of the miracles that showed God's power. He had taught people about the coming kingdom of God and the need for repentance. He had carried the sin of the world on his shoulders. And now he was tagging in the Holy Spirit to come in and take us for the next length of the way. The next period in our history would require power from God in a supernatural way. See, God knew we wouldn't be able to do it alone. And I want you to think about this. The disciples are hearing from Jesus, I am leaving, and I'm going back to the Father. And they're thinking to, our, to themselves, wait, 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 wait. You are the power. If you leave, we can't do this. If you go, we can't handle it. We don't have your power. We don't have your favor with God. We don't have what you have. And they must have been very concerned that when Jesus left, they would find situations that they would not be able to handle because even when Jesus was with them, they struggled, didn't they? 
I mean, they tried to cast out demons and couldn't handle it and had to, had to go back to Jesus. We, we, we couldn't do it. And what did Jesus say? You know, fasting and prayer. You can, we can do this. You can do this. He tried to remind them that they could, but they didn't feel like they could. And there are time and time again that they experience that sense of our power is not enough to be able to do these things. And so when Jesus said, I'm tagging out, they needed to know something or someone was tagging in. And that was the Holy Spirit. Jesus is very clear. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, you need power to witness. Did you know that? That you need power to witness? I mean, it is so important for us to understand that witnessing for Jesus Christ requires the very power of God that we're witnessing to. It requires God helping us and empowering us and giving us the right words, the right opportunities, the right chances to share Jesus with other people. Jesus had to tell them this because they needed to know that they would not be powerless. And I want to tell you, we have to hear that all the time. You are not powerless because Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. God is with you. We have to remember this every time. On Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, they were still in that holy city waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many times have you had to wait 50 days for something? That's a long time to wait, right? I mean, normally I get impatient after one hour of waiting outside the store for my wife to come out. 50 days of waiting, of praying, of saying maybe this is the day that the Lord will show up through the Holy Spirit and we will receive that power that has been promised. It must have been a long wait. You know, they had the promise that it would happen, but they didn't know when it would happen. And you know, so many things about God are like that. God has promised us so many things, but we don't know when all of those promises are going to be fulfilled. We just know they are because God is truthful, right? We just know they are because God is faithful. We just know they are because of who God is and what he has done already. So 50 days after they had been praying and waiting, as they were celebrating that day of Pentecost in the holy city, the scripture says that the sound of a rushing wind filled that house. And I want you to understand, this was not a This was a all over the house, more like a turbo engine just blowing through that house. This was a powerful rushing wind that could not be ignored. You know, if a, if a sound is low, yeah, you ignore it. But when it's loud, you pay attention. You follow that sound because you want to know what it was. You know, I live in a two-story house and every now and then I'll hear a thump from second floor. And I have to yell up there, is everybody all right? But when it's really loud, I don't do that. I run upstairs to see if everybody's all right. 
When this loud sound happened in that house and divided tongues of fire began to fall and get divided among all of the disciples that were there, the people in the city that heard the sound began to come to figure out what this was. They needed to find out what was causing this loud noise. And the scripture says that tongues of fire appeared and then divided among each one of the disciples. And you know, I would have loved to have seen that because it must have been a sight. You know, it's one thing to know that God is with you. It's another thing to see it physically over your head. Can you imagine that? To see a physical manifestation of the presence of God through the Holy Spirit over your head. I mean, I would have been terrible on that day because I would have been like this the whole time. Just going, wow, this is cool. I can get used to this. And they were receiving these tongues over their head. And the scripture says that as they received those tongues of fire, they also received the ability to speak in different languages. And you know, we don't know if the miracle was in the speaking or the hearing, but we know that the people that were coming began to hear them talk about all the deeds of power of God in their own languages. And there was people in the city from all over the place. Now you have to imagine this. Pentecost was one of the celebrations of the receiving of the law of the Torah. So it was a high holy holiday for Jews. And they would come and pilgrimage to the holy city a lot of times for Passover and stay all the way through Pentecost 50 days or travel back and come back because this was an important day. And so the city was full of people from all over the place. And yet as the disciples spoke, each one of them was hearing and understanding in their own language. And what were they talking about? God's incredible deeds of power. I have to presume that they were talking about what Jesus had done on the cross. What Jesus meant in coming into the world as the Messiah who laid his life down to forgive our sins that they had to be talking about God's great love that was able to wipe away the slate and give everybody a new chance at life. As the disciples continued to speak and the people gathered and gathered and gathered to hear what was going on, they started to turn to each other and go, you understand them, but I understand them, and they're speaking this language. And the other guy goes, no, 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 they're, they're speaking Greek. And the other guy goes, no, 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 they're speaking Latin. No, they're talking Aramaic. I can hear them. I can understand them. And they began to, to come, they began to come to the realization that each one of them was able to understand what they were saying in their own language. And at that point, mind blown. What do you do with that? The scripture says they didn't know what it meant. They couldn't figure it out. They didn't know what the symbolism, what the, what the implication of this was. And of course, you always have the few skeptics in the crowd. And one of them said, you know what? They're just drunk with new wine. <laughs> They're just drunk. That's what it is. Uh, I don't know how many of you drink out there, but I've never known anybody drink enough to speak other languages. 
That's not how it works. This was a God-given ability. This was a supernatural thing. It's not like they went to college and got a couple years of French and were speaking French. This is a completely different language from what they speak. These are common folks. These are not necessarily the best educated. Remember, among the followers of Jesus were fishermen and tax collectors and people that, that had been rejected by the religious elite. They were followers of Jesus. This is not the best educated group of folks. And they said they must be drunk with new wine. You know, this story lets us know that when we hear somebody say something that is incorrect about what God is doing, it is our duty to speak up. Peter got up right then. He could not allow anybody in that crowd to go home thinking that these were just a bunch of drunks. He could not allow for them to misunderstand what God was doing on that day in that holy city. He could not allow any of them to misunderstand what God was preparing to do from that point forward. And so he gets up to address that crowd. And he said, look, folks, it's nine o'clock in the morning, first of all. We're not drunk. Let me tell you what's going on here. He says, the prophet Joel said that this would happen, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And that is what's going on. Well, you would think that that would be enough, right? God's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Case closed, we're not drunk. But Peter doesn't stop there because Joel did not stop there. Joel explains that more is to come. That the Holy Spirit is coming and it's not just the end, but the beginning of what God is going to do. That not only will the Spirit fall upon all flesh, but that now there's going to be prophecies. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And even the slaves of the household will prophesy. Everybody from top to bottom in the house will be touched by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was tagging all of those disciples. And in turn, all of those disciples were to tag the people that were there. Do you see how that's going? I receive it and I give it. And they were, they were ready to do that. That is basically what Peter was trying to say. You've been tagged, now you are to tag everyone else around you. Well, you would think that this explanation would be enough, right? To explain that these things are going to happen and this is what the Holy Spirit has prepared. But he goes on to say more. He says, there will also be signs of the second coming of the day of the Lord. And what he was trying to tell the crowd there is that Jesus tapped the Holy Spirit for a time like this. But Jesus is coming back. And when the Holy Spirit tags him back, that'll be the day of the Lord. And when that day comes, let me tell you, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And this phrase is the most important to me in the whole speech. Why? Because it really summarizes what the Holy Spirit coming was all about. It was saying everyone can come in. It doesn't matter what language you speak or what region you're from. If you call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. It was saying, you have to call on the name of the Lord. It's not just any name. You can't just pick your favorite name and call on it. You've got to call on the name of Jesus. It is the only name by which we can be saved. It is the only way to the Father. And it is the only way that you can achieve salvation. But in order for people to be able to call on the name of the Lord, they've got to know the name of the Lord. You can't call on the name you don't know. You know, if I ask the children, this is the other children's sermon I had running in my mind. If you ask the children, what number do you dial in an emergency, they will tell you. Nine, one, one, right? We teach them that from when they're, you know, yay off the ground. We teach them, if there's an emergency, you dial nine, one, one. What Peter was saying is we need to teach people and children from very early on that it is the name of Jesus that you call on if you want to be saved. That that is the name that you call all the time because he is the only name by which you can achieve salvation. And of course, the phrase also says you shall be saved. It's not you might be saved is not God will consider you for salvation. Is not you're going to be put in a lottery and if your number is drawn, you will be in. It is you shall be saved. I want you to know that if you have called on the name of Jesus, you are saved. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to claim your salvation because the enemy will try to put doubts in your mind, will try to tell you you're not good enough, will try to remind you of your sin, will try to tell you that, yeah, you weren't so good this week. You know, I don't know if you're saved anymore because you did this or that. And we have to remind them that the scripture tells us that we shall be saved if we have called on the name of the Lord. That it is a done deal because it is by faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, being saved is a loaded statement. Being saved. Saved from what? From this life? From eternal punishment? Saved to be able to spend eternity with God in eternal bliss? Can anything sound better than, than that? To be known and to know as we have been fully known. To know a love that has no end. I mean, this is what salvation is all about. It's about being with God for eternity and experiencing all the good blessing that God has for us. This was the message of Pentecost. This is why the tongues had to be divided so that every nation would hear this is why the disciples had to speak up so there would be no misunderstanding about what the pouring out of the Holy Spirit meant. 
It was important for them to also tell the people that the coming of the Holy Spirit was not just a one-shot. It was not just a one-time event. This was not just the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem and it's done. No, this was the beginning of more to come because the Holy Spirit would continue to be poured out upon all flesh. We often refer to Pentecost as the birth of the church. And the reason for that is before that, the church was cowering behind closed doors. Before this, we were afraid to speak up. Before this, we were worried about our human lives being taken. Before this, we were walking around like we were already defeated when we had already won. But after this, the boldness of the Holy Spirit is seen in every disciple in a way that wasn't there before. The conviction is that the Holy Spirit has tagged each and every one of us. And now we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to have a spirit of fear, but a sound mind and a spirit of power from God. Today we celebrate Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is ready to tag. Holy Spirit is ready to tag each and every one of us to tag us with the power that we need to continue to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Whenever we study this scripture, we always talk about those three. Jerusalem, your immediate family, your closest friends, those that are in your inner circle. Judea, your region, your county, the people you run into the supermarket or at work or in other places in your daily lives. And of course, Samaria and to the ends of the earth, everywhere else. Sometimes we forget that we have been tagged with the responsibility to make sure that people in all of those three know about Jesus. That when it's time to call upon the Lord, they know whose name they need to call on. God has given us the power, not just to do the things that he did, but to do greater things than he did. That is what the Holy Spirit brings. Power to ask Jesus to break chains. Power to ask Jesus to deliver us from addictions and from bad thoughts. Power to be able to live by faith when it doesn't seem to make common sense power to be able to declare people healed in the name of Jesus when the doctors say that nothing can be done that's the kind of power that the Holy Spirit brings to us today I just want to invite you to let him tag you I want you to say Lord tag me in Give me that Holy Spirit power and let me go to witness in your name. As we close and we open the altar, we have a section reserved if you would like to pray by yourself. If you want to do that, you're welcome to come to that section right there. If you would like to receive anointing with oil and invite the Holy Spirit to tag you and give you that power, I'm going to invite you between the green and the edge over here. 
And if you would like the prayer team to just pray for you, you can come on this side. And we're going to just open the altar and let God tag people as he pleases. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you because we don't have to do it alone. You have given us power from above to be able to overcome this world. We ask now, O oh Lord, that you will tag each and every one of us with your power, that you will pour it out until it overflows, and that, O oh Lord, we will leave here recharged with your power and ready to take on the world. We pray that in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.